This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Everybody knows about Damian Williams opting out. And, you know, it's good. It's good that Dalton Del Don is off because it's going to make me look bad. I was... I wasn't mocking his aggressive ranking of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but I was, yeah, I, was a, I was not in agreement that he should be as high as Dalton was taking him. And Dalton was mocking me about it, actually. And now he's going to get lucky because Damon Williams opts out. Now Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is definitely a mid-first-round pick. I mean, they'll probably have him split carries with somebody, Darwin Thompson, whoever. But it's a, it's a whole different thing now, so... That's one thing. I don't know what else there is to say. I'd probably take him over. It'd be a tough call like with Mixon and Dalvin Cook, but I'd probably take Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I don't know. I have to be in a draft, really be put to the test. I think I've ranked him a little bit higher than those guys. So we'll see. In full PPR, that is, obviously. And then the other guy that we got into a disagreement on was Marquise Brown, and we actually have a bet, Marquise Brown versus DJ Moore, and I gave him three to two odds. I thought it was ridiculous. Like, Marquise Brown, he's like Sean Jackson. He's going to get 95 targets, maybe catch a couple of deep balls, but this guy's not, he's not capable of getting 125, 130 targets. But apparently he's totally jacked. He's up to like 180-something pounds. He was 160 last year. He's put on a bunch of muscle. He's totally healthy. And maybe he'll be more Tyreek Hill than Deshaun Jackson. So now that bet's a little bit in jeopardy. Luckily, you know, if I had done this podcast yesterday, I was in last place or second to last place in the beat Chris List League where I have another bet with Dalton. But I had a good night last night. Dalton had a bad night. And now I'm in like fourth and he's in fifth. So obviously it's very early. I've lost a lot of pitchers. Who knows? This is such a shit show of a season and teams getting COVID. It's kind of, uh, I'm not going to talk too much Yang about it. It's, uh, it's, it's way up in the air, way random right now. So that's that. I think I've, uh, ticked off the sports quota of this podcast so we're going to get into some other things we mentioned this before but there's the whole mass controversy and my position i don't really have a position i have like an opinion that strongly i'm very dubious about what this virus is it just seems very strange to me personally that the whole world economy got shut down that everybody's wearing masks that we quarantined for months and that i don't personally know anybody who's died not saying that it's not real. I'm just saying I would think that a worldwide pandemic, Spanish flu, black plague, something like that, 
that there'd be tons of people you knew personally who died. And I, I don't happen to know any. Now, obviously, there's other people that know people, but I don't know any. Secondly, uh, there's not many celebrities, politicians, musicians, athletes that have died. So Herman Cain just died. He's 74, and he was a politician, presidential candidate. Not that famous. I just happen to know who he is because I probably paid too much attention to politics at that one time. But I'm really struggling to think of you know, huge names, not, you know, not guys that are heard of, known by you know, niche audiences, but like big time Brad Pitt, Tom Hanks, those kind of guys, or LeBron James, Kevin Durant, I know Durant had the virus, someone like that. Nobody like that, to my knowledge, has died of the virus. And I would think in a global pandemic at that scale that there'd be dozens of celebrities that we knew of. So again, I'm not saying that it's not, seems pretty real to me, but it's just a bit surprising to me that I, I literally personally don't know anybody and I haven't heard of anybody besides um, some sort of lesser known people. So that's, that's just strange. You think of the incredibly famous people, the many the thousands of them that we've heard of, actors, musicians, politicians, any kind of celebrity that we know somebody. So that, that's kind of strange. So I'm very dubious about the whole thing. But my position is I don't know. And even if I felt more strongly about it being fake, even if I felt that way, and I don't feel strongly about it. I just feel there's something fishy. I still would say, well, what are the chances that you're wrong? Right? Because like, let's say I have a belief, ah, this is weird. We don't really understand the origin of this thing. And I'm a little suspicious of it. But even if that's my belief, what if I'm wrong? What percent chance is there that I'm wrong? It's not zero. It's not one. Maybe it's 25, 30% chance that I'm just totally wrong. And this thing is incredibly serious. And that there's nothing fishy about it. And it's just a virus that came about somehow. And it's incredibly serious. I think there's a good chance that even if I don't really think that, that I'm wrong, that maybe it is serious. It's like there's enough evidence that it's not a slam dunk that it's as fishy as it seems to me. So because there's a chance that I'm wrong, I will wear a mask when I'm indoors. Also because they won't let you indoors into a public place. Now, of course, I don't wear a mask at home. I don't wear a mask. Uh, I don't really go to friends' houses indoors, but if I would, I'd be outdoors, and the second I was indoors using the bathroom, whatever, I'm not putting on a mask. But for the most part, anytime I'm in public indoors, I wear the mask. Okay, that's just my policy. That's what I think. I think it's a fishy, weird thing. It doesn't all add up to me. There's been a lot of disinformation. But whatever I think about it, I could be wrong. There's a possibility it's very serious. So I'll take that precaution. It's not a big deal to wear a mask. It doesn't really affect me that much. It's annoying. It's a, it's a minor annoyance. That's just how I see it, and I do it. So that's fine. Other people given the very mixed messages that are going around, given the politicization of medicines and advice, and they add all this stuff up. They don't really trust the media, the authorities. Why should they? The media and the authorities have been incredibly unreliable the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years. And they think, screw this. This isn't serious. This isn't real. They also don't know of a Brad Pitt or Tom Hanks or LeBron James level celebrity who's died Maybe they don't have family members who have died, and they think, you know what, 
I'm not going to do this. Okay, that's their choice. So let's say you're a person who is very concerned about this. You know people who have died. You believe a lot of the prevailing authorities, the recommendations, and you are troubled because obviously a situation like a virus, it's not just like, hey, I like to ride my motorcycle fast around sharp curves, so screw you, I'm a free person. Well, you may think that's a bad idea, but it's my life I'm risking and it's my business, grown man, so stay out of it. But with the virus, pandemic, a little different, right? It's, you can affect other people in a way that you can't while riding your motorcycle in a dangerous way. So there's a little bit, it's more of a gray area than trying to, you know, nanny state people into what they can do. So you're concerned, right? But people have the right to do what they do. You know, they have a right to walk around, certainly outdoors, but some states indoors. They have a right to do it. You don't want them to do it. They don't feel it's a problem. So what are your, you know, what do, what do you do in that situation if you think people should be wearing a mask and they're not, they don't seem to give a shit? Well, I'll tell you what you don't do is you don't shame them or call them murderers. I mean, you can if you want. It's your right to do that, but pretty much people don't like to be told that or told what to do. And if you tell them that, they're going to do the opposite, if anything. It's going to just make them more entrenched. And they're going to think you're a douchebag and they're going to discount your opinion. But if you say to them, look, you have a right not to wear it. Nobody knows the truth. You don't have a monopoly on the truth. They don't have a monopoly on the truth. We just really don't know. But even if they end up being correct, what's the downside of them getting a mask, putting it on? They might say, you know what? I don't like to compromise my freedom. It's my right not to do this. You could say, well, yeah, it is your right. It's 100% your right. But it's not compromising your freedom if you choose to put it on, right? It's only compromising your freedom if someone's shaming you into it or forcing you into it. It's not compromising it if you say, you know what? I don't necessarily agree. I think these people are mostly just afraid of nothing, but fine. You know what? There's a 20% chance I'm wrong and they're right. And in that event, I'll have preferred that I wore the mask. That's the way to go about it. You know, it's still a free choice. I don't care what the stupid governor says. He's just a politician. He's just somebody basically taking public funds and misusing them like most politicians. It's not why you do it. It's not because somebody is trying to shame you or signal to their tribe how much they care, preaching to the choir that is already wearing the mask. Now, if you want to actually help and you think helping is getting people to do this thing that helps keep everybody safe and you believe that that's important, then I think you want to meet them on their terms, which is, at least as far as I'm concerned, freedom is the most legitimate concern and that you do not have the right to boss them around and to acknowledge that and then to say, well, I can't boss you around, but you can choose to do it if you want. And then maybe people will choose to do it because it's their choice, doesn't cost them much, and... I just think that people have to have a little bit of humility when it comes to what we know. And there's been so much disinformation about this. I really don't think, I, I would really be suspicious if anyone said, I know that this you know, hydrochloroquine does not work. I don't think you know. I'd also be suspicious if they say, I know for sure that it does work. I mean, I could see, I'd have more credibility to a doctor who treated people with it if they're telling the truth. I have no idea because I don't know them personally they might have more of a conviction in it. But just reading the contradictory reports, 
I think I'd be less suspicious of people say, well, I think it works because of this, or I don't think it works because of that, but I could be wrong. I think in a situation like this, that's probably the best approach. If you acknowledge you could be wrong, then you're probably not going to be so much of a douchebag to people who disagree with you. And then you might be able to persuade people of your point of view, or at least you know, stop them from being as dug in as they might be. Maybe not. Maybe it's futile. Maybe it won't help. But I definitely know what won't work. And it's basically what I see every day on Twitter. So that's just my take on the mask thing. Um, one other thing about those who mock uh, people who care about freedom say, oh, yeah, my freedom or something like that. That's why they don't wear a mask. Well, you know, the, uh, people, these people don't like to be told what to do. When they say I value freedom, they're saying I value me making the choice, not being told, shamed into it. And you might think that's a stupid person who cares about that thing. But when you actually think about it, people not liking being told what to do is it's kind of a feature, not a bug. If you, if you think about the people who are most eager to do what they're told, those are the truly dangerous people in history. When you look back at history, it's the people that followed orders that are really responsible for the worst of it. So it's sort of an ironic thing, but one-on-one, -on -one, the guy who doesn't give a shit doesn't want to do what he's told, doesn't really care what people think is more dangerous. But at scale, the person who cares a lot what people think, who's very eager to be good, to do the right thing, to not be out of step. So what is the thing people say on Twitter all the time? Read the room. Read the room, dude. The people that read the room, those are the dangerous people at scale. When you have a thousand of them, they're all reading the room. They're all figuring out what's acceptable in this social circumstance. What's the thing that will get least likely to be disliked by the group? Those are the dangerous people. So something to think about. When you, when you think these individuals who are not wearing their mask, and I think foolishly indoors, I think you should wear one indoors in public just in case. You know what I mean? It doesn't cost you much. Um, that mentality of I'm not going to do what I'm told is actually not the truly dangerous mentality. The, the mentality of oh, yes, whatever the authorities say, that's what, I, that's what I believe. And not consciously necessarily. I think it's more just, you know, I've talked about this before, but I think there's a couple of kinds of people. Like one, they try to figure out what's true, and they're often wrong, but they try to figure out what's true, and they base their belief system about on that. You know, they say, well, this is most likely to be true. And then the kind of people that, and again, it's probably not conscious, they base their belief system on what's going to work for them given their social environment. So they'll just simply believe what they need to believe to get along. And I cited this book before um, called Pattern Language. It's an architecture and city planning book, but it's a deeply philosophical book. And he quotes from some other book in the 50s or something where um, this guy says that city dwellers often... Um, become sort of homo homogenized in their beliefs because they're forced to interact with so many people that they'll just gravitate to the, the beliefs and the lifestyle that's just the, provides the least friction in their interactions. Whereas people in the countryside who are more isolated will be a little bit more eccentric and oddball in their beliefs because they'll all be just kind of basing it on their individual experiences. So I don't want to overgeneralize, but I thought that was interesting. So what else is going on here? 
oh, there's a bunch of censorship. So Ohio, well, this is a little related. Ohio banned hydrochloroquine. They banned the use of it, which is kind of crazy because it's a drug that's been in use with not many side effects. Now, maybe it doesn't work, but you shouldn't ban something. I mean, there's many controversial treatments, some of which work and some of which obviously turn out not to work, but to ban it seems to be a political choice rather than a medical choice since there's not giant side effects. But um, they're also censoring articles and posts on social media claiming that it does work. Again, it could be wrong. I, I really do not know. I don't think it's, uh, it's very hard to know without being on the front lines or being a professional researcher given the amount of contradictory information and biased information that's coming out on both sides, motivated information. Science has been politicized and it's, it's not good. But I was thinking about censorship on Twitter and YouTube and those places and it, and it exists. There's certain thoughts they don't want you to have. There's certain kinds of beliefs they don't want you to have. And that kind of thing scares the shit out of me on the surface, the idea that we're going to be in a world where it's a narrow, narrow belief system available to people and you, you start self-censoring because you know you're going to run afoul of the rules and because society's been conditioned to reject anything that's out of a certain parameters. And of course, the people who control things are going to um, eventually rig it so that it's beliefs that benefit them. It's never going to be, the, you know, you can't just get rid of the bad beliefs. Oh, these are evil beliefs. We don't agree with these beliefs. You know, beliefs that, it, it freaks me out to think about censorship and the effects of it. But then, you know, what starts to happen is people, people like me, start to like know where the edges are kind of and skirt up to them. And by doing so, you start to get people who listen who don't really believe in that bullshit and they kind of sense there's something else out there and you know my this podcast is pretty small but there's a lot bigger ones that do the same thing more effectively and so there's sort of this growing ecosystem of people opting out of the mainstream sources for news information entertainment you just start to opt out and so in a way if you're a a social media site, large social media site, and you start censoring certain points of view, it's a leak. It's a leak of people. You start to lose people on certain topics. And you realize it's already happened to all the mainstream outlets, you know, CNN, MSNBC. There's people who are still clinging to that stuff. But, you know, most discerning people have left those behind if they want to get real news about pretty much anything. And... The, the social media might be good for this particular topic, sports or whatever, and fantasy sports might be great for that. Twitter might be great for that still, even if they censor a bunch of stuff. But there will be other places to get real information about science or medicine or things that are outside the uh, accepted parameters. So I, I just think that in the short term, it's kind of scary, but in, in the long term, it's hard with the internet to contain it. It's going to have a leak and it's going to get out, and then people are just going to set up elsewhere. I kind of, I kind of want to do that. I have my uh, my direct messages are open, so people want to shoot me an email, shoot me their email address. That's fine because eventually, if Twitter becomes too narrow, we're going to have to find another way to uh, you know to communicate. And and I think that's happening already a lot. Um, I think Twitter's still where a lot of stuff is at, but they censor and. Um, 
start to narrow the parameters of the discussion at their peril in the end. You can rail on it and get pissed, and it is the biggest thing in town, and it's the biggest game in town, and it is the town square, and it's well run, it's well, the tech is good. But um, if, they, if they squeeze out points of view, it's going to go underground, and then there's going to be different... Actually, it would be good if there were like different... Uh, a lot of different, a lot of different networks that were good for specific things, rather than just Twitter. It'd be like there's this place that you go for, the, you know, Bitcoin, and this place where you go for finance. Twitter's kind of got sections of itself like that. But if they start to uh, discount legitimate points of view, it's 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 going to be a problem. All right, what else was I sort of on my mind? Uh, Bitcoin is cracked 11k. It's kind of fighting that line. It, I was happy when it was at 9,500 and then it cracked 10 then it just immediately went up to 11,000 and one of the guys I read, this guy Marty Bent, I listen to his podcast sometimes, he was saying that if you're excited about these $1,000 moves in a year or so or whatever, it's going to be $10,000 moves. Who knows? You know, Don't take this as investment advice. It's just right now it seems like a viable alternative to the system where they're printing money and, and sort of willy-nilly picking favorites Pick, you know, choosing winners and losers um, with uh, taxpayer money. So um, it's a way to opt out. Anyway, it's over 11000 now. We'll see. Short term. I'm bullish, but nobody really, really knows. Two other things that uh, on my mind, uh, the uh, Three Gorges Dam in China, I don't know that much about it, but I saw some video of some serious flooding. Were that to burst, which, again, I've heard a lot of speculation that it might. I've heard other people say no way. Um, but it seems like that would be a cataclysmic global event that would change pretty much everything. So it's something to maybe follow in the news. The Three Gorges Dam, it's flooding. It's serious. It'd be horrible because there's, I think, something like 400 million people would be affected. And the other thing I saw, uh, one of these traders I follow, I follow a lot of like finance Twitter now, and they, one of them was saying that Turkey is short dollar, is, is low on dollars, and it could become a crisis for them. And that um, to keep an eye on Turkey, Turkey's pretty big. I think there's like 80 million people in Turkey. And it's a decent-sized economy connected with Europe and the Middle East. And uh, if that were to go, uh, talk about a cascade. You know, Lehman Brothers set off a cascade in 2008, and that's just a bank. This is an entire country. So, again, I'm not really expert at these things, but um, I pay attention to stuff like that. People are saying it. I don't really know what else. I, I was going to go on a rant, um, but I think I'm going to save it. I think I've gone on long enough on a solo podcast. I'll leave this one as, as a short one. But um, you know, I, I've complained a bunch about the Epstein story being so huge and really not being investigated. Like Nobody has questioned the prison guards that didn't show up for their shift the night that Epstein allegedly hanged himself. No one's questioned the warden who... Did he give the guards the night off? What was the deal? What was the process? The, why did the camera not work? Nobody is really questioning these guys uh, that gave Epstein all this money and to whom he had these financial ties. Like, where, There's no follow-up. There's no media. There should be guys outside these prison guards' houses night and day asking for a comment. There's none of that. Like, If you're, I don't know, caught doing some scandalous behavior and they'll camp outside your house, report a famous person, has an affair. I mean, they'll be paparazzi all over the place but this thing silence so i've talked about that before but the other one that really kind of blows my mind is the origin story of covid the whole uh wet market thing 
doesn't seem like there's a ton of evidence for that. I can't trace it back to a patient zero. The break, the outbreak happened 20, you know, something eight miles from a lab where they were doing level four virus research. Very sketch. Where's the reporting on that? Why don't we have more details on that? It's just sort of this, there's a Newsweek article, the NIH, their division that Fauci ran, the infectious disease division, gave grants to the Wuhan lab to do that research. Where's the follow-up? Like, why hasn't anyone asked Fauci about it? He does, he's in the media all the time. Did the NIH give money to the lab for this research? What? I mean, why is nobody asking about that? You know, it's like the, these are the biggest stories of the age. This matters. How did this start? I also read something that there were cases, there was traces of COVID in Spain in March of 2019. Okay, so maybe it didn't even originate in the Wuhan lab. I don't know. I don't know the answer to these things, but it's just there seems to be no interest in the biggest stories, the most important, most consequential stories. Even the Three Gorges Dam flooding. I mean, why isn't that front page news in the U.S.? Yeah, it's in China, but it's a cataclysmic thing. Maybe, maybe I'm getting bad info or something, and it's not as big as they're making out to, to be, but where's the reporting on this stuff? We have this like bullshit political reporting. He said this, she said this. It just it really seems like the major stories are not really being reported and we're, we're being kept in the dark. Anyway, uh, I think that's good. I think that's enough. I'm going to come out with the uh, snarky 150. Probably get me canceled. But uh, not really being any more careful than usual. I'm just making my normal stupid jokes about each of the players. Snarky 150 probably coming out next week. Dalton will be back next week. Hopefully I'll be crushing him in that league because I really do not want to pay that NLM any money. And uh, anyway, hope... uh, We'll see if I actually publish this solo podcast. I'm going to listen back to it, edit it a little bit, see if it's total bullshit or if it's uh, if I can live with putting it out there. Anyway, oh, the other thing I'll mention is uh, Alan Seslowski, fan of the pod and the show. We did a little uh, segment on uh, on his show. We did a uh, I've tweeted it out. It's pretty funny. It's pretty good. He did a good job interviewing. Good interviewer. Um, it was fun to do. So I'll uh, I'll retweet some of that. He'll, he has clips, and I'll retweet those. In my Twitter feed, uh, you can uh, feel free to give me feedback on the solo pod. Never again. You want more of it? All right, people. That is, uh, that is it.